Is there any such thing as truth? Many people in today's culture say it's true that there is no such thing as truth. This is Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist, Pat Zuckerman. Today, Pat explores the nature of truth before a live audience. If there is no absolute truth, then how can the Christian claim that Christianity is true? Stay tuned. This is an informative program today on the nature of truth, relative or absolute. And while you're listening, check out our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Here's Pat Zuckerman. If you're going to proclaim truth, you've got to be able to defend the truth. You've got to be able to say why you believe what you believe. The truth is always attacked, especially in our day. And you've got to be able to demonstrate the truth. You've got to be able to live the truth. John 13, Jesus said, They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you need all three components. You've got to be able to proclaim the truth. You've got to be able to defend your position, defend the truth. And then you've got to be able to live the truth. Now, one of the biggest issues in our culture today is this whole issue of truth. We are redefining the definition of truth. There are two competing understandings regarding the nature of truth today. Is truth absolute or is truth relative? Christianity is built on the foundation that truth is absolute. The vast majority of Western culture believes that truth is relative. There are two opposing positions. They both can't be right at the same time. Let's take a look at this video here from the Truth Project that reflects the culture's general understanding of the nature of truth. Truth is... Truth is just uh, when... Oh, no. That's a really hard question. What is truth? Truth is really hard to define because a lot of different people have different set of beliefs. I think. What is truth? Truth will say. Truly believe there's a difference between fact and truth. Truth is very hard to give a definition to. I think. Truth is what kind of guides you. The lack of guilt is truth. As imagine a cathedral of the world. And there are windows, lots of windows in this cathedral. And truth, with a capital T, shines through the windows. So when I ask you something, you just have to tell them the truth. People expect people to tell the truth. I think truth is a belief system. Fact is concrete, like there's a brown table here. But if you want to believe it's blue, then that's your truth. That's your reality. Truth is what really happens. There are people out there who say there is no truth. You can just create your own truth. I define truth as the way the Bible has given us instruction to live. And then we humans are inside and we're looking at this truth shining through all these windows. We're seeing the refraction, the reflection, we're looking at it out of our own eyes and heart and we're, we understand it in a way that makes sense for us. So therefore I might interpret truth through the lens of Christianity. I might interpret truth through the lens of science. I tend toward more of the empirical truth of, of facts. Something is true when uh, it's untainted. You're talking on the materialistic level. Uh, truth is two and two. Is four. There's no way around. You're talking on the spiritual level, which is a much higher realm. You're talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. All religions believe that what they believe is the law of the universe. I have a bit of the truth. You have a bit of the truth. Each of us does. Truth is always with us. Truth is just believing in somebody or not. There has to be a fixed truth, in my opinion, 
for the universe to function properly. What is strange? It's a relative. What is truth? Today's Western culture is confused about exactly what is truth. Is there such thing as truth? Can we know truth? The majority of the culture says no. You'll hear a lot of these statements when you're talking with your friends, right? We should not judge, but tolerate all beliefs as being equally valid and true. Truth means different things to different people. No one can be sure they have the truth. It's wrong to push your morality on other people and other cultures. It's always wrong to judge others. You know, the most popular verse in the Bible today is what? Judge not, lest you be judged. Right? So whenever Christians are out there sharing their faith, not Christians look at them and say, hey, judge not, lest you be judged. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me you're right and I'm wrong. Judge not, lest you be judged. Hey, now that verse is taken out of context, of course, but that's the most popular verse and most well-known verse of the Bible today. It's no longer John 3.16, it's Matthew 7.1. Judge not, lest you be judged. What do we mean by absolute truth and relative truth? Absolute truth means truth is true for all people in all places at all times. And truth is what corresponds to reality. Okay? It tells it like it is. It corresponds to the facts. It matches the facts of the world around us. Relative truth teaches that some things are true for some people, but not all people. It is true in some places, but not all places. There is truth at some times, but not at all times. And truth is what I perceive it to be. I create truth. Truth is created by the individual or created by the culture. Okay, so we're saying two opposite things here. Both positions cannot be right at the same time. If truth is absolute, it cannot be relative. How did this shift occur in Western culture? We used to believe that truth was absolute. How do we go from absolute truth suddenly to now Western culture embracing relative truth? How did that shift happen? Well, in our brief time together, I'm going to run through a couple centuries of Western history and show you briefly how this shift occurred in our thinking. Now, it begins at the worldview level. If there is a God, then truth originates with God. It's rooted in the nature and character of God, and therefore it is absolute. But if the worldview of naturalism is true, if there is no God upon which truth is anchored, then truth originates with man, and therefore we would conclude, eventually, that it's relative. It comes down to a worldview issue. Also, this shift occurred during what's called the modern era, which begins in about the 1700s. In about the 1700s, Western civilization shifted from a worldview of theism to the worldview of naturalism. We embraced the worldview of atheism or naturalism. And once we pushed God out of the picture, we concluded then that truth doesn't originate with some intelligent being who's over us. Truth originates with man. Man now is the measure of truth. And during the modern era, scholars believe that truth originates with man, and man can know the truth about the real world around him. Man can know the truth about reality. Now, this began to change in the later half of the modern era as the Enlightenment thinkers began to develop their thinking. They embraced the worldview of naturalism, that there is no God, the universe is all that there ever was, is, and ever will be. Therefore, truth originates with man. Then some key thinkers came along whom you're going to study. First guy that comes along is David Hume. David Hume is known as the father of modern skepticism. And David Hume said this. David Hume said that all we can know is what we can verify with our five senses. 
Okay? That's all that we can know about the real world around us. And you know what? Our five senses aren't always accurate. Many times our five senses are wrong. Therefore, we should be skeptical about reality. We're not sure if we really know and understand the true nature of the real world around us. We can't really know true reality. We should be skeptical about it because our five senses can be wrong. Following him comes a guy named Immanuel Kant. And he's one of the greatest philosophers in human history. One of the things frustrating about Kant is you can't understand him. Right? I'll read hundreds of pages of Kant and I still can't understand what he said. Right? He's a very difficult guy. In fact, my professor in philosophy class, we were doing a whole series on Kant, and I was so frustrated. You know, I mean, I'd be reading it and I'd just throw him out the window because I just could not understand what this guy was saying. But I did my best to try and critique him and analyze his view. And at the end, the professor said, you know, to be honest with you guys, I can't understand Kant. You know, this <laughs> guy with two PhDs, you know. And so I said, hey, if you can't understand, how do you expect us to, you know? And he just smiled and kind of laughed. But he is a revolutionary thinker. And Immanuel Kant said this, wait a minute, let's take Hume one step farther. Kant was saying, we can't really know the true nature of reality. Only what we perceive of reality. So everything is simply someone's perceptions. And you know what? Everybody's perception of reality is different. Therefore, we can't really know true reality. Therefore, we should be what he called agnostic. Just say we don't know. We can't know the truth about reality. Both men have, as I'll show you later, self-defeating positions. And they didn't know it, but their own positions defeated themselves. Right? But Kant was saying, okay, we can't know true reality. Following him comes a guy named Friedrich Nietzsche. You guys, anyone know the famous statement from Friedrich Nietzsche or Nietzsche? God is dead. Okay? He's the leader of the Death of God movement. And Nietzsche took Hume and Kant and took it to the next level and said, hey, you know what? If we can't know true reality, we can't know truth. Therefore, it's all relative. And he is the founder of what many people call postmodern relativism. He says, wait a minute, if we can't know true reality, we can't know truth. Therefore, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is relative. And so the Enlightenment thinkers in the later half of the modern era began to conclude, well, man cannot know the truth about reality. Now, the modern era ends in about 1945 or 1989, whichever date you want to pick. 1945 or 1989 represents the, day, the year in which the great pillars of modern thinking all came to a crumbling end. The ideas of the modern era came to an end. And we, many scholars think we entered into a new era called the postmodern era. Or others say it's just simply the end of modernism. It's taking these ideas to their logical conclusion. So the era we live in now, many popularly call it the postmodern era, still embraces the worldview of naturalism, that there is no God. Truth originates with man. Man cannot know the truth about reality. And then number two, it took these ideas to its natural conclusion. It said, you know what? Man cannot communicate the truth about reality. Not only can he not perceive and understand the true nature of the world around him, he can't communicate that truth because the only vehicle of communication we have is what? Language. And language is a flawed vehicle of transportation of ideas. Language is created by the culture. Therefore, we cannot communicate truth to one another. And therefore, we end up with the conclusion that truth is relative. It's created by the culture. It's created by the individual. There is no absolute truth. That's how that shift took place. Jacques Derrida is one of the, was, he uh, recently passed away, was one of the chief spokesmen for 
relativism, and he says this, Texts, whether religious or otherwise, do not have any objective meaning. Therefore, they are neither true nor false in themselves, but inherently unstable and ambiguous. There's no such thing as truth. Everything is ambiguous, except what he writes. That what he writes is true. Okay, you should take it as absolute truth. Here's some other guys, Michael Foucault. Truth is not a matter of statements corresponding to reality, but how various power structures define truth. Richard Rorty from Virginia Tech University writes, various communities use various vocabularies, none of which is closer or farther away from objective truth, since objective truth does not exist. So I guess his statement okay, is not objective truth. But when these guys write, they want you to take their statements as absolute and objective truth. Kind of contradictory positions there. This is the nature of relativism. Relativism is built on the foundation of the worldview of naturalism, that there is no God. Therefore, truth originates with man. Truth, then, since it originates with man, is created by individuals and cultures. We create truth. Therefore, since it's created by man, created by individuals and different cultures, there is no universal truth. There is no truth that applies at all times, in all places. And since truth originates with man, since truth is created by the culture and the individual, truth changes over time and from place to place. Truth constantly changes. But maybe true for you may not be true for me. You may hear that statement a lot when talking with your friends. True for you, but not for me. One's belief, then, changes truth. Since truth originates with the individual, since the individual creates truth, one's belief affects truth. One's attitude can change the truth. And man is in a prison of language. Language is the only vehicle we can have to communicate these ideas of truth. Since language is created by the culture and flawed, can't communicate truth. Therefore, we cannot know absolute, universal, or objective truth. And we come to the conclusion, there is no absolute truth, and truth is relative. Now, my good friend Bungie, Bungie Garrett, has a uh, TV show in, in Austin, Texas called Regeneration TV. He went around the university campus of the University of Texas at Austin interviewing many, many students, asking them how do they define truth. And all of them define truth as relative. Okay? Let's take a look at a couple of his interviews here. Truth is relative to each individual person. I think that everyone has a different light to shed on the world in general and on the truth in particular. If I were to say uh, there are absolutely no absolutes, wouldn't that be an absolute? No, I still cannot uh, yeah, agree with this absolute. It's always going to be relative to some degree. It's inevitable. I think there's no absolute truth whatsoever. And what we know is just bias. What is truth? He interviewed a whole bunch of students. Some were Christian, most were not, and they all said, no such thing as absolute truth. It's all relative. You like the Chinese guy there? Huh? Say there are no absolutes, isn't there an absolute? And he said, no, I cannot agree with this absolute. Yeah? Hope you guys caught that. Now, let me tell you why relativism fails. Relativism cannot be true. Here are the fatal flaws with relativism. 
Number one, it's built on a naturalist worldview that a God does not exist. But as we studied last night, there's compelling evidence that shows, indeed, we live in a theistic universe, that a God does exist. God is truth, John 14, 6. God is truth. His very nature is truth. He creates the world according to his truth. And he creates you and I in his image. He created man in his image to know and to be capable of knowing and understanding the nature of truth and living according to his truth. This is God's universe and we live according to his truth. Men and women, you and I created in the image of God, can understand that truth and we're created to live according to his truth. And God communicates his truth using language. Language originates with God. It's the vehicle he ordained to communicate truth. Now, as a result of the fall, language is flawed, it's fallen, but it can still communicate truth. To say that language cannot communicate truth uh, is a self-defeating position. It's going too far to the extreme. I'll show you why in a little bit. So, relativism is built on the worldview of naturalism. And if we live in a theistic universe, naturalism, uh, relativism already falls apart on its foundation. We live in a theistic universe. A God does exist. The evidence is quite compelling that a God exists. And truth is rooted in the very nature of God. It originates with him. Number two, and this is really important, relativism is self-defeating. It's self-defeating. It contradicts itself. It denies the very principle okay, or... Uh, it denies the very principle it's trying to defend. Truth exists. It is undeniable. To say there are no absolutes, guess what? You just said an absolute. And to say language cannot communicate truth, guess what you did? You made a true statement using language. Say there's no such thing as truth is a statement of truth. And you defeated your own position. Truth exists. It's undeniable. I remember I was at a good Bible-believing evangelical church in North Carolina, and a guy stood up and he said, you know what, uh, your presentation is flawed because language cannot communicate truth. Blue, what is blue? Huh? Define blue. We don't know blue, it's just perspective. It might be light blue, dark blue, whatever. Language cannot communicate truth. You know, he went on and I, when he was done, I said, okay, language cannot communicate truth. He said, yep. Said, is that a true statement you just made? And then he just kind of sat down and I said, did you use language to communicate something that's true just now? You know, okay, that's a self-defeating position. So, relativism is self-defeating. The relativist believes that truth is relative for everyone. That this is true for everyone. But if it's true for everyone, then guess what? It's no longer relative truth. It's an absolute truth. The relative who thinks relativism is true for everyone, therefore really is an absolutist. He believes in absolute truth. Relativism, therefore is self-defeating. You get it? It defeats itself. Relativism is self-defeating. Truth exists. It's undeniable. If relativism were true, we would live in a world full of contradictions. And we know we can't live in that kind of world. There's a basic rule that, that, you know, I didn't learn until I was in graduate school, but something that we should have all learned in elementary school. It's called Aristotle's Law of Non-Contradiction. And it simply states this. Two opposite cannot be true in a relationship with one another in the same time, in the same way. Two opposite and contradictory statements cannot be true at the same time, in the same way. Very simple, right? We apply that rule every day. I mean, you can't have a coherent conversation without applying that rule, right? If you came to me and said, Pat, did you speak at the Chinese Christian Church and Center this morning? If I looked at you and said, 
Yes, I did, but I didn't. Oh, could I have your notes? Sure you can, but you can't. Oh, well, when will you give them to me? Well, I will, but I won't. You, know, you can't have a coherent conversation without applying this rule. We apply it every single day. For example, there's milk in the fridge or there's not milk in the fridge. Both statements cannot be true at the same time in the same way. If one is right, then the other is false. Billy Graham says that God exists. Madeline Mario Hare says God does not exist. Both statements cannot be true at the same time in the same way. One of them right, one of them is right, one of them is wrong. No, uh, if relativism were true, no one would be wrong about anything. Think about it. If truth is always relative, then I can never be wrong. If someone claims I'm wrong, then I can say, well, it's wrong for them, but not for me. Because I create my own truth. Learning would not be possible, because I'd never be wrong. But learning education is all about what? Moving from a false belief to a true one. Moving from a false perspective of reality to a true perspective of reality. Finally, relativism fails the test of practice. It's unlivable. And you can't live consistently as a relativist. For example, okay, if you're a true relativist, it's impossible to determine right and wrong. Everything would be right for me, but wrong for you. Okay? Or maybe it's wrong for you, but right for me. Right? <laughs> However, we identify right and wrong, good and evil, every day. We acknowledge absolute truth every day. We're always making judgments about right and wrong. Okay? In many areas of our daily experience. For example, Enron. This guy cheated people out of millions. Okay? Uh, not only his workers in their retirement, but those who invested in this company. And everybody wanted to see him brought to justice. Okay? We're pointing to a universal standard of right and wrong. There's a universal standard of right and wrong, then there is, and it's built upon truth that is absolute, that applies to everyone. So, what is the definition of truth? Oh, this is the definition of truth. Truth is what corresponds to reality. Truth tells it like it is. It corresponds to the facts of the real world around us. Truth matches its object. For example, this object is a table. It's a true statement. It corresponds to the real world around us. Now, truth cannot be relative, but in order for truth to be absolute, in order for it to be objective, non-biased, in order for truth to uh, be unchanging, it must be built on a source that's above man, uh, be outside of man, okay, and, a truth that, and a source that does not change. If truth is rooted in the very nature of God, as the Bible teaches, then truth is absolute. Because God is above us. It is objective because God is not encased in human culture. God is outside of creation and rules over creation. God is eternal. So truth is unchanging. So the nature of truth, what is the truth on truth? Well, truth is absolute. It's not relative. Okay? That's a false understanding of truth that pervades the culture today. 95% of teens Christian teens believe that truth is relative. And that's the biggest myth and one of the most destructive ideas that we have bought into today. Truth is absolute. It applies to everyone, everywhere. It does not change. Truth is universal. Truth is unchanging. And truth is knowable. You and I are created in the image of God. God is truth. Beings created in the image of God 
can know God's truth. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. You'll find Pat Zuckerman's interviews with leading scholars and speakers on the most crucial issues facing the church and the world. Go to evidenceandanswers.org and be equipped. And right now, there's a free offer from Evidence and Answers. Pat's teaching on the Da Vinci Code deception. The Da Vinci Code book and movie will continue to impact the world for some time. And you can expect sequels and spinoffs to continue to influence people to doubt the claims of Jesus Christ. So get Pat's teaching on this important subject for free. It's yours for the asking. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and click on Contact Pat. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. Don't forget about the free offer we have, Pat's teaching in front of a live audience on the Da Vinci Code deception. Go there now. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidenceandanswers.org.